You're listening to Back to Us Radio on the Back to Us Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audiblepodcast.com forward slash back to us. That is audiblepodcast.com forward slash B-A-C-K, the number two, U-S. So welcome. This is Marla Renee Stewart, a.k.a. The Sex Architect with Velvet Lips on air. And I'm extremely proud to have on the radio or to have on this podcast, uh, Miss Debbie Ward, who is a Tantra and holistic uh, sex practitioner. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful discussion about grounding yourself with Tantra and um you know, Tantra is generally, it's a word that's often misused and a practice that's only sort of partially understood. And so this discussion will shed light on some important aspects of having an effective and enjoyable Tantra practice. Now, um, thank you so much, Debbie, for being here. You are very welcome, Marla. It is an absolute pleasure. Awesome. So I just want to give you all a brief bio of uh, Debbie's um, work. So uh, Debbie, she is an internationally recognized Tantra and female sexuality expert, a certified tantric healer, a certified Reiki practitioner, a Tibetan tantric dakini of the, is it Shangpa? Kagyu. Shangpa Kagyu lineage. Okay, awesome. And one of the first Westerners uh, qualified to teach the secret Tibetan uh, five element sexual tantras, which stem from a 2,600 year-old lineage of Tibetan Tantric Buddhism. Wow. She is an author and radio host of Better Love and Sex with Debbie Ward, airing live Thursdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Contact Talk Radio. Um, And, of course, I am here, um, and we are on the Back to Us Radio Network. Um, And, uh, of course, every third Sunday we're uh, doing... uh, uh, every third Sunday of each month, we do an hour of sexual empowerment. And of course, this is Tantra. So um, I really wanted to talk about grounding yourself with Tantra today. So um, Debbie, can you give us a little bit more? Like what what is Tantra exactly? Can you explain to um, some of the listeners? Yeah, and I can explain from based on my training and, and my lineage of practice. So Tantra is, at its base, it's a form of yoga. It's considered to be the highest form of yoga. And so just like most of us as Westerners know that there's Bikram yoga and hot yoga and yin yoga and flow yoga, just like that, there's a variety of different styles of Tantra. So when people say the word Tantra, like me saying the word Tantra, I'm that has a totally different meaning and, and application for me than mm-hmm. it does, you know, someone in San Francisco saying that they do Tantra, right? Mm-hmm. So the mistake is that most people are unaware that there are, there are a variety of different styles, which are going to have a multitude of different practices and techniques and tools associated with them. So just because someone is a Tantra practitioner doesn't mean that they're going to be practicing the same thing as, you know, Joe Blow next door, who's a Tantra practitioner. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Yes. Awesome. There is, um, and I feel like there's just, I, I mean, like you said, there's so many different styles of Tantra. Like, do you know all the different styles or are you just, I mean, are you just certified in your particular style or, (laughs) 
um, I, I feel like, you know, honestly, I just feel like because Tantra is so, it feels very overused. I feel mm-hmm. sometimes in the sexuality education, you know, um, world, um, I'm wondering, like, it, you know, you are like the real deal. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like, how do people, um, uh, I guess, get informed about, you know, being educated in Tantra? Like, you know, what are the, are there different styles in the sense of people, you know, there are different ways of being trained on Tantra? Like, how does that work exactly? Absolutely. So the thing you want to look for if you're looking for a Tantra coach or Tantra practitioner is you want to find out the lineage. Where does it come from? So mm. there's Taoist Tantra, which we refer to as Taoist as sexual yoga. And so that's from China. And so that's like Montak Chia and ah, Jade mm-hmm. Egg exercises. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's Chinese medicine. And that's very um, complementary to the practices that we do with Tibetan Tantra because, you know, Tibet, China, very, a lot of similarities, a lot of um, overlap there. Uh, there's there's Indian or Hindu style Tantra, and there's a few different lineages of practice that come out of India, um, you know, depending on the guru. Uh, but a lot of the Indian style Tantras are very similar to one another, so there's a congruency among the different practices. And of course, those overlap with Tibetan Tantra as well, because Tantra essentially originated in ancient India. Mm. And in our, this is part of my training, so in our training as a, as a tantric Buddhist practitioner, our understanding was that the actual original tantras came from, you know, the Buddha before Shakyamuni Buddha. So when most people mm. think of, of Buddhism, they think of, you know, Siddhartha, whatever. Right, right. But there was a Buddha before Siddhartha. There's a, there's a new Buddha every 10,000 years. So from our understanding, from the Tibetan tantric tradition, the original tantras came out of India, but they they came from the original Buddha 10,000 years before. So what most people were practicing um, 2,600 years ago uh, was a sort of um, diluted and watered down version of the original tantras. Wow. And so then the Buddha became the Buddha again and then kind of reinfused the ancient tantra constructions with, you know, whatever, his new version of enlightenment, his, his most recent version of, of tools for enlightenment. So essentially, what well, most people don't understand about tantra is having better sex is like a side benefit. It's a fringe benefit. The purpose of Tantra is learning to harness your human energies, the energies of the human body, and particularly the sexual energy, and use it to transform consciousness and realize enlightenment in one lifetime. So it's a tool for spiritual realization. Better sex is just a side benefit. <laughs> you can't help wow. have sex if you're using these methods. Mm-hmm. But the goal, the goal, the ultimate goal of Tantra is realization ultimate realization realization of your infinite god self that's the that's the ultimate goal Mm. so when when the tantric instructions were brought to the west when they were brought to america back in the 70s and the 80s they you know they were they were probably um more complete than they are now and then the whole new branch or version of tantra was created and we call that western neo-tantra and that's where the emphasis is is really on sexuality and sexual healing and orgasm and pleasure 
And that's where a lot of that focus comes from. And then, of course, you have the sex workers who are, you know, tantric sexual healers, that sort of thing. Um, that that sprang out of out of the the Western interpretation of these ancient uh, Indian practices, and so a lot of the a lot of the spiritual orientation was lost in translation, so to speak. Wow, wow, that's very interesting because I feel like um, uh, a lot of the work that I do and a, a lot of my whole belief is really about like sexual energy and thinking about how our um, sexual energy is very much embedded in our spirituality, and uh, which is definitely why I'm, you know, drawn to Tantra, but um, I haven't actually, of course, been, you know, taught officially how to, you know, or certified um, how to do Tantra, and I, I did have a, a friend of mine who taught me sort of pieces of it, but I'm pretty sure she wasn't sort of certified as well. You know, she knew sort of some moves here and there. Um, and so uh, I, I was just kind of curious about, like, the the learning to harness sort of the sexual energy aspect of it with Tantra. Like, how did you – well, first of all, how did you get into get into learning this and, and, and yeah, getting certified and all this stuff? Tell me – can you tell me about your – sort of journey my history yeah sure yeah well you know it was actually the fact that I'm doing this work is is a big surprise to me mm-hmm. because I I did not expect it I mean when I look back my life absolutely prepared me for it but it was not something I was pursuing it was not Tantra wasn't even anything I was interested in I, I had heard about it like when I was 19 so this is 20 years ago and my friend's boyfriend showed me my boyfriend no my boyfriend's parents actually showed us some Tantra videos and I thought it was the weirdest thing. It was like a <laughs> weird hippie, you know, like old people thing. And then um, I had a lover a partner when I was uh, back in 2004, 2005, who was really into the whole Tantra thing and he would fly away and go to Tantra workshops. And I really didn't see any benefit because he would come back and like all they did was this emotional processing work and they didn't really do anything for our sex life at all. So I, I thought it was a bunch of sh- crap, quite frankly. And I, not, I was not even remotely interested in in improving my sex at the time. I thought my sex was fine. Like I didn't, I didn't, I really. It's totally a case of you don't know what you don't know. Like right. I had no idea where my G spot was. My vagina was numb, and I just thought that was the way it was supposed to be. That was normal, right? And I was mm. just, I was embarrassed talking about sex. I was, I was just like your basic, your average Westerner when it came to sex. I was completely shut down. With Without being aware that I was shut down, right? So when it was presented to me, so I I I got into tantra not because my boyfriend was into it and we wanted to have better sex. It was nothing like that. I was given the opportunity to train formally in the secret Tibetan five element sexual tantra, specifically for the purpose of spiritual realization and personal growth. And if it had been presented to me in any other way, I would have run screaming in the opposite direction. Mm. Because at that time in my life, I I had been a monk of the Ashaya order for over 10 years. Um, I would meditate a minimum of four hours a day. My entire life was devoted to my spiritual realization. And and I thought I I was well on my way. And apparently, you know, obviously I was because I was (laughs) able to come in contact with these teachings. So, um... So I had the opportunity and the privilege of training with an authentic tantric master who had been studying all various forms of tantra for over 30 years. This is Jacques Druin, my former instructor, who then became my husband and is now my (laughs) (laughs) ex-husband. 
wonderful journey we've had together. Um, so, so yeah, he's been, he had, he studied for 30 years. He studied Taoist sexual yoga. He studied Hindu Tantra. He studied new age Tantra. He studied David Beta. He studied all that stuff. So, uh, and then after 30 years of practice, he was introduced to these Tibetan instructions. And again, it's all about having like the, the, the proper foundation, so because of his 30 years of practice, he his, he was like fertile soil. So when mm-hmm. our Lama, Lama Tashi, and Jacques met, Lama Tashi was like, oh, my God, here's someone I can finally share this knowledge with. So Lama Tashi has secret Tibetan Buddhist sexual teachings, because that's the thing. When you think of Tibetan Buddhism, you don't think of sex, right? Right, right. The Dalai Lama and little monks and little... <laughs> yes. But there's a, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a whole other path of self-realization, and that is the path of the, the Tantrika. And that's what's been kept secret for 2,600 years. So now, so Lama Kashi, who is a Tantrika, and he's a Lama, an official Tibetan Lama of the Shangpakagi lineage, and he was given these sexual teachings by his teacher, and his teacher hadn't given them out to anybody in over 50 years. Wow. First time, and Lama Tashi is the first Westerner who ever received, ever received these instructions. So Lama Tashi practiced them for 30 years and never taught anybody until, you know, whatever, the universe aligned him with Jacques. And so he imparted these instructions to Jacques, and Jacques trained with them for several years and then Jacques introduced me to the teachings and then I trained with both Jacques I trained sexually with Jacques and mm-hmm. I trained non-sexually with my llama just like to make that clear he instructed me in the in the non-sexual tantra yogas and then also how to apply it sexually in my practice with Jacques and so I trained with with Jacques and under Lama Tashi's guidance for when I still continue to train under Lama Tashi's guidance and I've been training under Lama Tashi's guidance for the past seven years. So, um, so that's it in a big, big fat nutshell. Wow. That is amazing. Wow. And why, I mean, and why do you feel like it's, why do you feel like it's important to, uh, to study this? Well, so there's a variety of reasons, and, and that's what that's that's what really I guess woke me up uh, through the process. Is I entered the process thinking I was going to have this like whoa, like <laughs> singing, like oh, I was going to see God, and instead, what occurred was I definitely saw God um, many times over, but I also saw the devil. I also saw all of my demons and all of my wounding and all of my trauma that I was completely unaware of my entire life. And I also got to see all of our cultural conditioning in regards to our sexuality and how oppressed we are as Mm. a culture in regards to our sexuality and how that oppression causes sickness and disease and dysfunction and perversion and suffering, essentially. Mm -hmm. And once I passed through my own sexual suffering and made it to the other side, you know, hindsight is always 20-20. I could look (laughs) back and be like, wow, oh, my God, look how much of my potential in life was lost because I was repressed. Look how much of my self-expression was lost because I was repressed. Look how miserable and in pain and confusion I was and disconnected from my own body 
look at, wow, like I was experiencing a mere fraction of my sexual potential. And here I am, you know, having multi-orgasmic bliss and squirting across the room and all these amazing things. And those things in them, themselves are awesome to experience, but more importantly is the impact that it has on our sense of self and our ability to show up in the world 100%, 100% connected to yourself, 100% in alignment with your purpose, and 100% turned on and uh. able to contribute meaningfully to life. So what I discovered was that our human potential is wrapped up it's intricately linked to our sexual potential. And if we are sexually dormant, there is a huge part of our personality and our self-realization and our self-expression uh, that is also dormant mm. and unavailable to us. And that is fucking tragic. Yes. <laughs> wow. I wholeheartedly agree with that for sure. Um, wow. That's amazing. Um and I, I feel like, well, what do you think about sex being the focus of Tantra? Well, this is the thing. This is what sold me on the whole Tibetan Tantra thing. Because I had never heard anybody else explain why sex connected to your spirituality. I thought it was a nice concept. But I'm really practical. Like, I want to know the freaking mechanics. I want mm-hmm. to know, like, how to fix it. Like, tell me how to fix it. I want to know what <laughs> part you put in what socket and how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So in regards to sex and spirit and the focus of sexuality being a path, well, that is the path of Tantra. That's, that's what differentiates a Tantrika from a monk or a householder, is we make our sexuality the focus of our spiritual realization. And the reason it is such a valid place for us to put our focus is this. At the moment of orgasm, the moving pranas, and prana means wind or moving energy. So the moving energy in your genitals brushes the central channel. Now, for those yogis out there, the central channel is also called the shashumna nadi. It is the core of enlightened consciousness in the human form. It is, um, for those people that are familiar with like acupuncture and Mm -hmm. meridians, the central channel is like the trunk of the tree and the meridians are the branches. Mm -hmm. Now, most yogic practices have, do not have the proper techniques to get to the central channel. So that's the whole thing. Like they're using, so there's postures as in yoga, there's postures, there's all these different methods that people use or the ancients used to reach the central channel. So with Tantra, we have the methods that help us plug in with Tibetan Tantra. Anyway, we have the methods that help us plug in directly to the central channel and blow outward. So, At the moment of orgasm, the moving pranas in the genitals brush the central channel, the core of enlightened consciousness in the body, and we get a glimpse of enlightenment. So every orgasm, whether you're aware of it or not, even if it's only like a genital sneeze, which is like what most people experience, like two seconds of bliss, Mm -hmm. those two seconds of bliss are a taste of enlightenment. That is a taste of, it's a glimpse of God. And your sexual pleasure, your orgasm directly connects you with that. Sexual pleasure and orgasm is the fastest, most direct route to experiencing God, to experiencing enlightened consciousness. So what, what if, instead of your orgasm being over in two seconds, what if you could have orgasms that lasted two minutes? 
or 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. What if you could be in a state of orgasm for several hours? Wow. What is that going to do to your brain? What is that going to do to your consciousness? What is that going to do to your state of mind? Well, you're going to exist in a state of bliss, and your mind is naturally going to be expanded, open, and attuned to a higher state of consciousness. That's freaking amazing. So we're literally hardwired. It's inescapable. The human body is literally hardwired so that sexual pleasure is the fastest path to realizing your godhood. Wow. That's that's a freaking biggest secret that's been being kept from us for millennia wow wow that is absolutely amazing oh my gosh and it's funny I, I yeah I think about like you know friends and they like like when I have orgasm I just see like stars or they'll like they'll they'll be they'll talk about like this moment that they have or you know whatever kind of not necessarily like hallucinations, but I guess more what you're describing is more of just the enlightenment aspect, right? Those two seconds yeah. or however long that they're experiencing this, you know, pleasure of this, um, you know, they call it sort of like, it's almost like a hallucinogen in a, in a sense. It's, uh, yeah, well, it does. The impact of that it has, it literally affects your brainwave pattern. So our brains begin functioning in the uh, low theta and delta range and Mm. so you know you can google what that means but when the mind is in delta frequency we are connected to the universe that is where we connect to our universal sense of self our infinite self and get this when when the brainwave patterns hit delta for a long enough period of time we actually begin producing human growth hormone and the only time that's ever produced in the body is in infancy right and then we stop producing it But when your brainwave patterns hit delta for a long enough period of time, your body begins regenerating on a cellular level. Wow. That's freaking phenomenal. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, this is our potential. This is our sexual potential as human beings, and it's been robbed. If you look at most people's sexual experience, we have the capacity as women to have over 11 different kinds of orgasm, and yet 70% of women are not having oh, yeah. orgasm at all. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, and, and this is our, it's our birthright, and it's, been, and it's purposefully, intentionally kept from us. So that's why education is so important. And to me, that's why sexual education is so important because our potential for pleasure is infinite and pleasure is a direct pathway to our godhood. Wow. Wow. It's just so crazy. I did a, um, a birthday party not too long ago and there was a woman who had never had an orgasm and she was, Mm -hmm. you know, almost 40 years old. And I was like, it's, it's, it's so hard for me. It's so, it's almost like heartbreaking, you know, because it's just like, not only, I mean, not to say, you know, maybe she can't experience, you know, her spirituality in some other way, but just thinking about um, just that moment of bliss or just that feeling, that glimpse of God, right? That those feelings that she's never experienced, I'm just like, ah, and how how do we get how do we get more women to to um i mean i i guess not only through education but how do we get more women to 
be more susceptible to these, to this pathway, to these orgasms, to, you know, better ways of connecting to their, you know, universal self or their, their glimpse of God. Well, you know, what I find in my work is that women are absolutely hungry for more pleasure and orgasm. It's, it's, a, it's a global awakening that's happening, this whole female empowerment, and it includes, you know, empowerment in the workplace, empowerment in relationships, empowerment in the bedroom. So it's, it's a rising consciousness. And I think how we get more women on board is we make it safe. We give, mm-hmm. we give approval. We, we give encouragement because this is the thing. We receive a hundred messages every day shaming us for our sexual expression, shaming us for wanting sex. And I mean, and, and a lot of these messages happen when we're very, very young. And so they become part of our, our ego. They become part of our self, sense of self. And we're not even aware that they're operating. We're not even aware that they're there. Uh, that was the biggest wake-up call for me is that I did not realize how repressed I was as a result of our sex-negative culture, as a result uh. of hearing good girls don't. Good girls don't, you know, and even whether whether I actually heard that verbally, that message shows up in our media. Oh, yeah. It shows up everywhere, everywhere. It's actually oh, yeah. sickening, right? And mm-hmm. we're also taught as women that our sex and our pleasure is for men. That isn't right. about us. It's about pleasing the men, pleasing the male. Those right. of us who are, you know, or, heterosexually oriented or bisexually oriented. Um, right. Yeah, it, our sexuality, like my vagina, my entire life, my vagina was was for the man. I, my my, I could have clitoral pleasure for myself, but the vagina was for him. Meaning, I didn't put things in it. Right. I, you know, I didn't when I masturbated. Nothing went in the vagina because that was like, and it was just this kind of like agreement that I had made at some point that I didn't even consciously know I made, but right. that's what it was about. The clitoris mm. was for me, the vagina was for him, right? So mm-hmm. um, so so much of the messages that we receive in regards to our sex are so subtle that we make the, we agree to them without even being aware that we're agreeing to them. It's kind of, it's really the same, you know, for, I don't know, for your, your audience listeners, but the idea of institutionalized racism and white, mm. you know, white supremacy, well, more and more people are becoming aware that racism is no longer, you know, sitting in the back of the bus. It's much more subtle. And oh, it yeah. comes through the media, essentially, and like what the media normalizes as acceptable and desirable and, you know, and, and uh, whatever, praiseworthy. And that comes from the media. And because our culture is institutionalized, racism is embedded in our culture, it happens without us even being aware of it. Well, so is slut shaming and, and sex negative messages. It's subtle it's pervasive and it's embedded in the culture. It's embedded in the fabric of our culture. So it makes it really hard to see until you're already on the other side of it. Mm. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I feel like there's a certain, uh, I guess, uh, empowerment that goes with, you know, you know, the anti being against sort of the slut shaming and all that stuff, you know, having the sexual confidence to really uh, be yourself and express yourself in the way that you want to be, you know, the way you want to express yourself. 
Yeah, and I just accepted that I'm a slut and like I let go of the shame. Like I, you know, like yeah. really, it's it's because for all for what the society says, I, I totally am, and I'm com- I'm completely comfortable with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if being a slut means I get to feel the way I feel and have three hour orgasms and you know and make love, and <laughs> make love with and enjoy my life and you're like, like I'll be that. <laughs> okay. Lifetime of sluthood. <laughs> Good stuff. So, um, so kind of going back to sort of the Tantra, like, you know, what is the difference between, we kind of briefly touched on it before, but what's the difference between like the Tibetan Tantra that you're trained in and just sort of the other styles of Tantra? Yes. Well, the very definition itself is one of the differences. So mm. in our lineage of practice, the word Tantra literally means to weave light and sound with form. Mm. So form is the body, light is visualization, sound is mantra. So it is a yogic practice. It is an internal yogic practice of weaving, visualizing, and sounding mantra. And Mm. so by this definition, anything that you do, adding the specific, you know, visualization and specific mantra associated, anything that you do becomes tantra if you add light and sound to it. There's a specific light and sound that's that's taught into this lineage. So by the practice of doing the yoga of weaving light and sound and form, the result is transformation of consciousness, freedom from suffering, healing enrichment balance of mind body soul everything like the whole world (laughs) the whole universe opens to you by doing the yoga of weaving light and sound with form so um so just the very definition itself uh the other thing is the approach Mm. our approach to tantra and in tibetan tantra is that tantra is a form of medicine and the the goal is to relieve suffering of mind body spirit and sex wow Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I just said, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, um, what, uh, when you talk about, like, the, the, the weaving and the visualization, the light, the sound, like, what, um, what sort of things should people sort of visualize? And what, like, like, are there specific sounds, like, you know, uh, are there specific vis- visualizations that they should have or what, you know, what do you sort of recommend if this is yes. someone just trying this, I guess, for them? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. Yeah. Sorry for, sorry for hitting up. That's an awesome question. And exactly. Yes. So it's not just visualizing any light and making any sound. So it's not like, Oh, I'm going to think of pink bubbles and go boom, 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 boom. It's that's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> make you happy that's it <laughs> so um there are very very specific yogic practices that are a particular um form of uh, medicine that is applied to transform certain aspects of human consciousness and certain experiences in the physical body so um let me see if i can explain that less technically um <laughs> Uh, so the light, uh, the light and sound, the form is always the body, the light and sound, yes, there's specific, um, there's specific practices that were given, that were handed down from teacher to student for over 2,600 years, starting from the Buddha. 
So what we teach in Tibetan Tantra specifically are the Tibetan five-element sexual tantras. The Tibetan five-element sexual tantras are based upon the five elements of earth, water, fire, air, and space. Earth, water, fire, air, and space make up everything in our physical existence. Our bodies, everything we see, taste, touch, smell is made up of one or more of the five elements. We mm-hmm. just take it for granted, right? We just, you know, we're just like, whatever, because it's just there. We just, It's just part of our reality, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the reality is that all illness and dysfunction is caused by an imbalance in one or more of the five elements. So if we look out at the world, we can all agree that our planet is in crisis, right? It's, a, it's in a deep state of imbalance. Right. It's, it's toxic. The people are killing yeah. each other. Yeah. It's freaking insane, right? It's crazy. Right. It's insane. Well, it's, that's, to me, that's, that's indicative of, a, of an elemental imbalance. Well, the elements also affect our state of mind. They affect our consciousness. And each of the five elements is uh, an antidote or medicine to reverse or to purify or heal or clear, whatever word you want to use, what we call the five root poisons of human emotion. So most people are aware that our emotions affect our health, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Makes sense? That's that's holistic awareness, right? So right, if I'm walking right. around carrying a lot of anger and resentment, A, I'm, you know, I, my, it's going to actually degenerate my tissue, but I could potentially get cancer. Right, right. right. And, and, you know, and lots of, um, so, our, so our emotional balance and our, our state of mind directly impact our health. And for people who want a really great example of that, I recommend watching the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? Yes. And it's a really beautiful portrayal of how our emotions create a chemical reaction in our body that can actually degenerate or regenerate our, cell, our cells on the cellular level. Right. So going back to the five root poisons. So the five root poisons are anger, attachment, pride, jealousy, and ignorance, mm. out of which 84,000 different kinds of afflicted or painful emotions arise. So there's 22,000 different kinds of anger. There's 22,000 different kinds of jealousy, right? Wow. And and not only do these emotions feel bad for us to feel, but they also make us sick and they create imbalance and they make our lives miserable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. They cause suffering. So the five element tantras are the medicine to heal that by connecting, by focusing on the elemental, specific elemental practice, which is what we teach. That's why we're Tantra instructors. We, we give you the actual techniques, the actual practice that will help you antidote or transform that emotional energy, not just in your consciousness, but also the residue of it in your body on a freaking cellular level. So at its core, the Tibetan Five Elements sexual practices are energy medicine to transform pain into pleasure. Wow. Did I explain that clearly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, turning your pain into pleasure. I just think about, like, sometimes we also think of pain as pleasure in the same sense just because it releases the same amount of, like, hormones of dopamine, right? Those things. I'm just sort of thinking about how those are um, 
relatable, but, um, so. Oh, well, yeah. So I'll address that because yes, you're correct. So pain, so, so interpreting like pain as a form of pleasure is different than suffering. Mm. So I consider, so like, you know, like a spanking or caning. Right, 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 right. I, you know, I, to me, like, I have a hard time. I understand that technically that's quote unquote pain, but having been on the receiving end of it, it, you know, it registers as pleasure. So that's not the same kind of pain I'm talking about. I'm talking about agony and suffering uh, not bringing you any joy. Gotcha. <laughs> <Lack of laughs> totally pain. different type of pain. A lack of joy, other agony, suffering, like right. that kind of pain. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> not the kind that makes you that gives you orgasms. Not that. <laughs> So you're saying, okay, so in your, okay, so I just kind of want to rephrase or reframe that. You said, um, you talked about, so anger, attachment, pride, jealousy, and ignorance can be solved sort of with the, um, the uh, Tibetan um, sexual techniques, elemental techniques, um, which have to do with, you said, I believe, fire, you know, air, water. Is that what you said? Earth, water, fire, air, and space. Yes. Earth, water, fire, air, and space. Okay. Yep, each element is an antidote for one of the root poisons. For example, fire element antidotes attachment. So oh, okay. what do we mean by antidote? We mean that it begins to purify the emotional tendency of attachment in your consciousness, but it also begins to purify that energy in your physical body as mm-hmm. well. So if you're someone who, and so attachment is painful, we usually think of being attached in a relationship, which is painful, but it's also attachment to outcome. And like, really, if you're a person who tends to be really stressed out and really anxious and really worried about the future, that's an indication that you're really attached to an outcome. You're really invested in this thing happening and you're going to suffer like hell if Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. And you're going to suffer like hell until it does happen. Well, that's no way to live a life. Right. (laughs) Right. and it causes it causes stress. Well, what does stress do? Stress causes illness. Okay. Physically proven. Right? Yes. Yes. It creates cortisol, adrenaline. We're not meant to function in stress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're meant to function in stress when a saber-toothed tiger is going to attack us. That's it, right? Right. Most people, because of this anxiety, this mental anxiety, this mental dysfunction of attachment. Many, many people operate in a state of stress, worry, and anxiety all the time. Well, doing fire element practice will begin to purify that tendency in your mind and in your body. The flip side of that is that what happens is all of that emotional energy that's been bound up in worry then becomes available to you, accessible to you, and you can use that energy creatively to create the life that you want to be living. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) This is, this is, I feel like this is probably some really, like, when you work with clients, how, like, how, how often do you work with them and how deep do you get, like, what, what does this look like for people? 
We have a few different programs for people. The one that I'm that I'm just all got my panties in the mouth about right now is um, <laughs> I'm I'm certifying other women and men around the world to teach these instructions because you know there's only one me and there's only one Jock and there's people all over the world that need to benefit from this. So mm-hmm. um so I'm currently I've organized and created and I'm currently in like elbow deep in uh, the 2015 Tibetan Tantra certification program, which is a two-part program. The first part is a three-month long-distance Skype training where I teach uh, not just the five-element practices. Those are the backbone of what I teach, the, the both the sexual and the non-sexual application of those techniques, but also things like awakening the over-11 different orgasms, yoni healing, mm. um, sexual healing for men, correcting erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation, lingam massage, sexual communication. So all of the techniques that we need in order to access more of our birthright to pleasure so that we can ride those currents of pleasure into ecstasy, essentially. So um, so I, I love that. I just like my whole heart and soul is invested in that program. Uh, so the three-month training program can be done by anybody at any time, whether or not you want to be certified. I have lots and lots of women who take the three-month training just because they want a deeper connection to themselves and a, and a concrete, practical way of integrating Tantra into their everyday life and, and really taking it on as a life path. Like, like people who practice yoga, practice yoga. Oh, so yeah. same with Tantra. When you practice Tantra, you for real practice Tantra. Right. right. Like, you know, the class you take and then, you know, no. and then whatever, then you throw it away. It's yeah, like, it's life, life. yeah. Yeah, if you want to get results. And so um, so the three-month program is, is – uh, is, is, beneficial for that. Um, I have a five session program, but uh, my Tantra basics, it's for people that are interested in Tantra, kind of want to dip their toe in, get some understanding of the, of the methods and get some good practice under their belt, the five session program. And then I have um, a couple of different offerings for couples, which are really juicy and yummy. And so when I work with couples, I focus primarily on the connection between the two of them, but then also giving them practical tools where they can cultivate their own relationships to their sexuality independent of one another. Mm, nice. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, um, we were talking previously and you were telling me about like the four pillars of Tibetan Tantra, could you explain like a little bit more? I know we talked about, you said meditation, movement, connection, and pleasure. So can you explain a little bit more about the, the pillars? Yes. So so the four pillars are a way of making this practice um, very tangible for Westerners, essentially. Mm. And so the four pillars are um, their pathways essentially that cut through all of our internal conditioning all of that chatter uh, that happens on the intellectual conscious rational mind it cuts through all of that and reconnects you with your core with your divine life essence so the four pillars are meditation movement connection and pleasure and so what i teach are techniques are practices associated with with each of the four pillars when you are in a state of meditative relaxed awareness or focus when you are in the process of of connecting to your body through movement when you are completely focused on pleasure 
when you are completely united in connection, you are completely out of your head and 100% in your body, which is where your infinite God-given wisdom resides. Mm. Wow. So, wow, that is absolutely, wow. You're <laughs> just like, you're like, I'm blowing my mind right now. There's so much, <laughs> there's so much knowledge. I'm like, you know, I've just been like writing down and taking notes about, you know, all these different things. I'm just like, this is so amazing. I'm definitely going to have to do a training with you because, I mean, I, you know, believe in all of these things that are, you know, um, happening. So um, what are the most important parts of Tantra uh, practice, in your opinion? Honestly, uh, the most important aspect of and this is it's dangerous to say this because all four pillars are are in my opinion are incredibly important like you're not going to get anywhere if you're not cultivating your sexuality you're not going to get anywhere if you're not you know if you're stagnant you're not going to get anywhere if your connection is the the heart and soul of it like if you're not able to connect with yourself if you're not able to connect with another person you, you kind of miss the point but for me in all honesty everything else all of those other pieces blossom out of having a very concrete and um, consistent meditation practice because all suffering begins in your mind. Mm. <laughs> and mm. you're not able to be present and relaxed and aware. If your mind is in chaos, the rest of your life is going to be in chaos, straight up. Mm. And the more present you're able to be with your consciousness, the more relaxed you are in your mind, the more aware you are and I can't think you know I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a great word to encapsulate the experience but it's just it, it's like the difference between being on a boat on the surface of a really like choppy ocean and you're getting tossed all over by the sea waves and you know a tidal wave is coming and the boat's going to capsize and you're going to die that's the way most people live their lives right that's the way I used to live my life trapped on the surface level of my mind as opposed to if you kind of dive underneath the surface so for people who've been underwater and they got your oxygen tank and your scuba gear and you could stay under there forever it's quiet it's beautiful you get to see all these shapes and these colors and it's like the most peaceful place you can be on the planet well that's the difference that's what it's like to go from having a super active out of control mind to a mind that is essentially anchored in its primordial sense of self, in its God, God consciousness, its infinite self. Uh, 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 that's the level of consciousness that's cultivated from doing a daily meditation practice. Mm. And when your mind is in a state of openness and rest, magic happens. You can attain anything. And in order to have a three-hour orgasm, my friend, you have to be completely present in your body. Mm. You, you cannot be following yes. thought streams. You cannot be thinking about, you know, taking the dog for a walk and what you're having for dinner and have an incredibly amazing orgasm at the same time. You can't. <laughs> right. Do it, right? right. It's impossible. So in order to be able to access these high states of pleasure and bliss, you have to cultivate presence. You have to cultivate the ability to be present relaxed, aware, and focused. Mm. And that's what meditation does. And so, you know, all the other, everything else kind of falls into place from the meditation practice. You could do all the other pillars 
and and probably have a good time, but you're not going to get the same results as you will by by actually consciously working with the yogic energies of your body using the five element practices and transforming those emotional tendencies in your mind, body, and spirit. Nice. So I know I make a try to make a habit of, you know, meditating, you know, at least 30 minutes um, a day. I know I should probably be doing more, but um, how long do you generally like suggest someone to, you know, start their meditation? Like say they wanted to sort of get on this journey of doing Tantra, like what is uh what is a good, how, how long should they be meditating for? Well, to me, it's not about the time spent meditating. It's the tool that you're using. Mm. So I used to meditate for four hours a day using uh, the Asaya's Ascension Attitudes, and they were awesome. It was wonderful, but it, you know, it was a four-hour day affair. Uh, with Tantra, I meditate about 20 to 30 minutes a day because wow. the techniques are so powerful. Like if I if I meditate longer than that, I'll go into I go into <laughs> I go into spontaneous healing crisis. <laughs> the are so powerful, and you're you're consciously working with the with the energies of your mind. So, uh, you know, it, again, it's it's less about the time spent; it's more about the the effectiveness of the tool. If you have a highly effective meditation practice for you, and that's the thing, the five element practices are not for everybody. So that's not for everybody. It's for those souls who resonate with it. And if you don't resonate with it, that's fine. Like, right. It means that you have a different path, right? But right. for those people that are inspired by this and who feel turned on by this and like and really, really resonate with it, well, then this is, this is probably the, the most effective tool for you. And if it's an effective tool, you don't need to spend a lot of time doing it. Wow. It's like a power tool. It's a power tool. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a time and a commitment and investment, but we're not talking like five hours a day. My my four pillars practice, I mean, all together, you know, and it, it depends on the, on the day because it's layered. So you're not going to necessarily be masturbating for an hour every day. Right. You, know, <laughs> you know, do tons of masturbation once or twice a week, right? Right, right. Your meditation practice will be about between 20 and 30 minutes, four to five times a week is what I recommend. Mm -hmm. um, I recommend doing movement practice, you know, four to five times a week. So specific movement practices that I teach, like the Benoit ball exercises and the five core pelvic movements. Your connection practices, there's self-connection and there's partner connection. And depending on which one we're talking about, you know, your self-connection practices will be about, be about four times a week. Partner connection might be two or three, right? Mm -hmm. It just depends on the practice that you're doing, um, how often you're going to, to do it, and how much time you're going to spend doing it. But the more powerful the technique, the less time you're going to need to actually be engaged uh, with that particular method. And that was a big surprise to me as well when I first started practicing Tibetan Tantra Buddhism. And my lama said, you know, it's small, small bit. Don't meditate for an hour. Meditate for 20 minutes. <laughs> wow yeah small, small steps small steps and then build from that so then there are some days if you do want to do an hour and a half or two hours of practice like last night I, is my was my solo tantra night so i did a half hour of meditation and an hour and 20 minutes of, of you know of sex nice <laughs> that was in a nutshell and before that i did an hour of, of my movement practice so you know it's, it's it's fluid. The idea is, is to integrate it into your life so it's not this big, like, 
you know, huge chunk of time you have to separate out from the rest of your life. You want it right. to be, you want it to integrate with your everyday life. So in any moment you can just pull out one of the four principles, one of the four pillars and, and start doing them without, and it's just second nature. You can do it without even thinking about it. Nice. Wow. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, we've, you've, it's explained so, so much. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything you want to add? Add to that or I feel like I don't have any more questions. You've, you've explained a whole, whole lot. I mean, <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I guess what I'd like to add is just the awareness for everybody listening that, that most of us have, uh, have been kept from our birthright. And most of us have been kept in the dark about our true, not just our sexual potential, but our human potential. Mm. And our sexual potential is an integral part of us realizing our full human potential. And it is our birthright. Pleasure is our birthright. Orgasm is our birthright. Having a, having a fulfilling, deeper, deeply rewarding, enriching sex life is part of our humanity. And it is our birthright. And the more we kind of take that back from the powers that be, the more I think that we can actually truly realize a completely um, balanced and healthy and, and um, happy planet. Uh, I, I really think that our, that our sexual healing and sexual awakening is the fundamental key to world peace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. To, to to having a sustainable planet, and I think that you know most of the people if they're listening to the show are probably totally on board with you know the the new wave of awakening consciousness that's happening on this planet, and um, and our sexuality is is a key element to that. Our sexual empowerment is a key element to that. So I just encourage people to start exploring, read books, grow, uh, you know, get coaches, watch videos, do whatever you need to do to begin educating yourself and continue educating yourself in this very critical area. And um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> that, is, that I feel like you 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 say everything that I always say always <laughs> like constantly. No. <laughs> We're sisters on the path. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, I'm so excited just not only to have you on, you know, Velvet Lips on Air, but also to have you at the Sex Down South Conference. Um, you know, we really um, just, you were just like our number one pick and we, we wanted you. And I'm so glad you were able to like come through and come to the conference and, 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 you know, plan to come to the conference and, um, I'm just really excited to have you and to have everybody sort of experience your teaching and your education and just to, I, I can't be more excited just to be around you um, and just meet you in person. I know we've met in Skype and, we've, you know, on the phone, but yes, I'll, I'll be super excited to have you in October. So thank you once again for uh, agreeing to coming to the Sex Down South Conference. 
well, God, can I just say thank you so much for A, inviting me, and B, for creating the conference itself. Like, oh, my God, what a huge service you're providing for all those people. And I'm just like, it's a complete honor. It's an, actually, it's a privilege. So honored to be invited to come share. So thank you for creating the opportunity. Yes, yes. I am I am definitely a dreamer doer. So <laughs> it's been a baby of mine. I'm like, I gotta I gotta do it. So I'm so glad uh my friend Tia and I we just decided to gung ho and get it get it done. So Amen. Um Amen. So yeah, do you have um so how can people get in touch with you? Yes, uh, so people can get in touch with me at my website, Davy Ward Tantra, spelled D-E-V-I-W-A-R-D, Tantra, and on my website, I have a free special uh, gift. You can sign up for my free female pleasure guide, and in the pleasure guide, I give you the top three blocks preventing women from having the pleasure and orgasms that they crave. So I tell you the top three things that get in the way and then give you my top three tips for undoing it to antidoting to, um, yeah, to, to healing and transforming that so that you can have access to the pleasure and orgasm that is yours and every other woman's birthright. Excellent. Excellent. And do you have any upcoming events or anything like that? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. Uh, March 27th in Vancouver, BC, I'm going to be teaching the art of self-pleasure for women, awakening the over 11 different kinds of female orgasm. I'm going to give you my tried and true and tested tantric masturbation routine from beginning to end. Um, I'm also going to be teaching Sex is a Healing Art, mm. a Tantra for Couples workshop in Seattle on April 18th, and that is for couples or for people that you just need to have, like, somebody there with you. I don't care if they're your friend or your lover. Okay. <laughs> a partner, <laughs> just a partner. Yeah, however you want to arrange that. As long as you got another person whose feet you can touch, that's cool. <laughs> um, and then uh, June 7th, I'm again doing uh, the Art of Self-Pleasure uh, Awakening the Over 11 Different Kinds of Female Orgasm uh, in Seattle, June 7th. And then July 17th, 18th, and 19th, I am doing a sacred sex exploration retreat in Los Angeles, California Ooh. with Lady Victoria. And it is going to be a synthesis of Tibetan Tantra and kink. Wow. Yes. So we're going to get our kinky on. We're going to get our wow. kinky on. Wow. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very, very excited about that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you um, being on the air with us. And um, I am looking forward uh, for all the listeners. We will have the Google Hangout on air on the 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so you can uh, come and ask um, Davey any more questions um, about Tantra or or anything um, sort of Uh, I guess related to Tantra and the meditation and anything um, that you have questions with. So um, thank you again, Davey, and um, have a good evening. Yep, thank you. Have a good night.